Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of Shred's Takes. Really excited to have you guys listening in again. Um, I wanted to introduce my two new guests, uh, Daniel Schlackman, a freshman basketball player at Amherst College, and then uh, a junior, Jack Harlan, who plays uh, baseball and basketball for Amherst College. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Fred, Danny. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good. It's good to have you guys here. Um, you know, how how's quarantine treating you guys? Uh, what have you guys been up to? Parents a lot, um, which is fine. They're being really cautious about it, so I haven't really been able to leave the house all that much. Um, I am able to go work out um, with my trainer, which is still pretty nice. But I'm not really just cooped up in the in the house, but. Got to pick up on, on studies because you need to keep on track there. But other than that, all is good with me. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been fun. I've been cooped up at home. Uh, my parents and my sisters. Um, feels like high school again a little bit. Like it's been literally since high school that, um, you know, I've been locked up in the house like this or with my whole family at one time for this long. Um, but yeah, you know, I feel like, Every day is kind of like a similar routine. Um, wake up, have class, um, play some video games. Uh, I've been doing my sister's field hockey workouts with her, uh, which are actually pretty hard. Um, take my dogs for a walk, get some fresh air. Um, but, yeah, just making it through, kind of like everyone else right now. That's yeah. Great. No, I feel that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a quarantine stuff for everyone. And uh, one thing I definitely wanted to mention was like, you know, Jack, obviously the baseball season was not the way you wanted to go um, due to this. Um, and I was wondering, obviously, like, you know, you know, people have probably asked you about your reactions to it. Um, obviously, you speak a little bit about that. And also just like, what do you think the future is for, you know, like professional baseball? Like, do you think there will be a season or do you think there won't be? And how do you think it's going to affect, you know, a lot of the, uh, teams that you know were looking really promising entering this year such as you know the Yankees the Astros the Dodgers like the Cardinals teams like that um you know speak a little bit about that obviously you're a baseball guy so um take it away yeah I mean uh I guess for starters like with the whole um how things played out with my senior season in baseball um you know it's definitely heartbreaking to not have the opportunity to see the season play out with the team that we had um, because, you know, I think this year could have been a really special year for Amherst College Baseball. Um, you know, and I think we had the tools and the talent to have a lot of success in the NESCAC. Um, you know, but I'm also grateful that the uh, news of our season getting canceled came out when it did. Um, because, I mean, given the um, timing, I guess, of Amherst's decision to cancel school and cancel athletics for the spring was, you know, a couple days ahead of every other school, um, you know, and that gave us an opportunity to have a senior day um, to fit in three games and kind of know when the end would be versus a lot of schools, you know, finding out that they couldn't play anymore while they're mid practice. Um, you know, so I'm grateful that, you know, I got, I got to kind of go out on my own terms as much as I could um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's definitely disappointing, um, definitely, um, a little frustrating, but, um, you know, I'm happy that 
you know, there's a lot of seniors throughout the country that had their season taken away in a lot worse ways than what I had my season taken away and what my teammates had their seasons taken away. Um, you know, and I'm grateful that we were kind of able to go out on a high note and make the most of, you know, this kind of crappy situation. Um, yeah, and then in terms of professional baseball and how this will impact the MLB, um, I think it's interesting. Like, I think the MLB has come out with a lot of ideas that are interesting, but, you know, I think the smarter decision is to wait a little bit and try and figure out, you know, where this virus is going to go. And, um, you know, like, I think there's still a lot unknown and still a lot up in the air that it's hard to say, oh, we'll just have all the MLB teams go down to Arizona and play for, like, play the season down there and practice social distancing. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of interesting ideas related to that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's better to wait it out and, you know, give it give it to like mid-May and see where things are at, see if there's like a cure to the virus or a vaccine that's out or, you know, if, like see if it kind of goes away with the warmer weather and summertime coming. Um, but I mean, yeah, like it's, I think it would be interesting. Like I heard that one idea is to have the teams just play a abbreviated season starting in like mid to late August. Yeah. I read about that today. Yeah. And I think like that'd be interesting because, you know, so much of if the shorter the season is, the more it becomes anyone's game at that level. I feel like Hmm. I also think it then for non-baseball fans, like it would somewhat become a little bit more interesting, even if you don't love the sport. Like I feel like some people, their biggest knock about baseball, it's so many games that each one doesn't really matter. You can throw one game and it not really throw off your entire season. So along that lines, like abbreviating the season, however they may do it. um, I feel like also would bring a little bit more of like a country. I'm not really going to say global, but like a a following. Yeah, no, like I do, like it would make every game a lot more interesting, a lot more meaningful. Um, Like I totally agree with that, Dan. And it's like, like, I mean, like 162 games, it's like, you know, you lose game 36. Like, it doesn't matter that much. Like, like it'll maybe it'll matter in like a wild card race. But at the end of the day, like it's those games in September that mean so much more. Um, you know, and that's when baseball gets really interesting. Um, but I mean, yeah, like it's hard to say, like how this will totally impact baseball. Like, I think... Like, there's been times where, you know, throughout the first month of the season, like last year, the Red Sox had one of the worst records in baseball through the first, through like the month of April. And then, you know, turned it around, around like the midway point and, you know, had themselves at least kind of in wild card contention and put up like a decent record. Um, but, you know, you see definitely like some teams get out to really slow starts. Some teams that are very talented teams. And that's just kind of like the nature of the sport. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would make it more competitive if it was a shorter season and abbreviated and, you know, maybe a team like, I mean, I think the Dodgers are the, by far the best team in baseball right now with Ballinger, Betts, um, and their entire pitching staff. 
um, to boot. Um, but I mean, like, you know, you could see like teams, if it's a sub 60 game season that starts in August, I mean, it's kind of anyone's game. Um, How do you feel like the shortened season would like affect injuries? Cause I, I don't know much about like the general type of injury in baseball. Cause I feel like most of the ones that I hear are like a pulled hammy or like something wrong with someone's elbow. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with injuries in baseball, it's interesting. Like, I feel like you see a lot in spring training and a lot of like elbow issues of pitchers or, um, you know, guys having lingering issues that, you know, are coming back from last year, you know, just kind of going from, you know, just training on your own and not having to play and practice every day to being thrown right into it in spring training. Um, like, I think that's a big adjustment for a lot of players. And I think, you know, you see, you see a lot of guys get injured before the season starts, um, you know, and then you kind of see an uptick around like the all-star break, like late June, early July, you know, as guys' bodies start wearing down from playing every single day for, you know, three months. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because like a lot of pitchers will kind of build up throughout the season um, and kind of work, like, as they get going, they get stronger. Um, but, you know, you I mean, it'd be exciting in a way because you see, you'd see players as they're fresh if you were to give them at least enough time to, you know, kind of retrain and get their arms in good shape. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I my guess is – I think it would be really interesting if they did the um, Arizona thing that they proposed a couple of weeks ago, um, earlier this week even, um, where, you know, they practice social distancing in these empty spring training ballparks down in Arizona, and they, like, switch up the divisions completely, um, you know, and make it almost like the spring training divisions, not like the typical AL East, NL East. Um you know, and they'd have the players mic'd up. Um, you know, there's like a lot of good ideas for marketing there. And I think the other good thing for baseball is that if they were to do that in late May, June, or July, they'd have a total monopoly on sports. And that's something that everybody is missing dearly right now. Like they're missing sports betting. They're missing watching sports live on TV. Like um, it would be good for the game and like people would, tune in a lot more live than say what they would. Uh, yeah. Ex- yeah. Especially, um, you know, the fact that like a lot of fans won't be going to games probably for that time. Like if they do that, do the Arizona thing, right. You're not going to have fans there. And obviously a big part of games. Like, I mean, I know at least as a kid, um, you know, I went to a bunch of Yankees games and you know, obviously I know you Red Sox fans don't like to hear that, but uh, um, yeah, but you know, the big part of being like at baseball games is like the fans just like really always involved in the game. And like still keeping them on like involved, like being able to watch it live in that situation is gonna be really cool. Um, another point actually, I was, I was thinking that you brought up that was interesting is just like how baseball is just like the way it happens and like the team's success is not necessarily determined by like one guy all the time, like in basketball or or other sports. Like Mike Trout, for example, is arguably the best player in baseball, but his teams, for example, have not always been as successful as they probably would want to be. Right? Um, like he hasn't made the playoffs a ton. Um, 
so it's it's really interesting on that kind of note. But like, yeah, I mean, I think it's good. It's an interesting solution. I, I think the the Arizona thing would be a really cool solution if that's what they wanted to go to, because um, I think it would probably eliminate a lot of the health concerns. But also, you're able to watch baseball, and I think it would be a interesting twist when they switch divisions up and stuff like that. But uh, I'm going to segue into a, another thing that you know you guys can both speak about. But um, I think one thing that definitely is a harmful thing about this for sports is the fact of like AU basketball and recruiting uh, that gets you know obviously like you know a bunch of us got recruited for like our, our sports, not just basketball, but baseball or football, whatever. Like a lot of athletes at Amherst, right, and like. A lot of the coaches, especially for AU, like go watch your AU tournaments and or go to camps to watch you. And that's how they evaluate who you are. And I know at least from AU, you know, you got a lot of guys who blow up during the AU season that you don't really know about. And then they get 10 to 15 offers within that, you know, couple months. And, you know, they turn from maybe a low major division one player that like no one really knows about, but then they get really good in the AAU season. They go to like mid major or some of them go from mid major to high major. Um, I don't know if you guys are commenting about that, but you know, obviously since, you know, it's hard for like even our coaches to go recruit, um, you know, how, how do you think that's going to like, you know, impact team success next year um, in terms of bringing like freshmen in and, you know, how do you think recruiting like will work now like uh, more so because you won't be able to watch as many people in person due to AAU. It's interesting that you bring up it because me personally, I've never been all that huge of a fan of AU just because it's like fully politics. Like they'll have some of the most talented athletes on the court at one time. Um, and yes, some high major teams are looking for a lot of different things than a uh, three team would. But um, essentially, like for those high major kids, high school basketball doesn't matter at all. Like you can kind of throw your season away you can do whatever you want during the season obviously you want to play as well as you can but it's not your college decision whether or not you're low mid high major d1 d2 or d3 is not completely um surrounded or like reliant upon how you play in au like that's au is how in my opinion and how i've seen like most players get those huge offers um so i think the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the Kansas, they'll still have their major players that like those high major teams. I don't feel are going to have that huge of an issue, but those that like Amherst who rely on some of those camps going out to see some players in tournaments, like seeing who can fit their system the best. I think they will be, I don't know whether it will most certainly be negative and I feel bad for those juniors or seniors even um, who are waiting and trying to make the decision late. Um, cause I don't know how I would have done if I didn't have my senior AAU season, just cause that's when I was able to go to the camps and meet the Amherst coaches. Um, but I feel for those that are trying to grind out a division three spot, I think the removal of or the, the absence of AU basketball's tough. And it's not even like if the coronavirus, like if that even does end, like if there is some sort of cure, if the government finds some way to minimize or limit the spread with antibodies or something of the sort, um, you can't really play basketball like until the coronavirus is completely gone. I, I feel because 
I feel like, and I don't know what you think about it, Jack, but like, I feel like of all sports, baseball would be the sport to be able to play even with somewhat of the coronavirus being present still in the country because there isn't as much contact, like physical contact between people. Um, and like, I don't know, with the absence of fans, I feel like it would be um, easier than if even like playing pickup at the park like you can't play pickup basketball without touching people. You can't play pickup without being six feet. Like you can't. None of the limitations that the virus um, requires you to follow, you can do when you play basketball. So I feel like in terms of recruiting, those low, mid, high, major D one schools are going to find their find their kids because I don't know the the they might not find their top kids because they might not have been able to take visits to certain places, official visits, but they'll get the ones they want regardless. But the D2s and D3s of the world, I feel, are going to have to really, really grind out. And it's going to be a lot more of like a bargaining type of deal rather than like uh, earning your spot. Yeah, I mean, like I feel like the impact is going to be not so much felt in the class of 2020 high schoolers, but more so class of 21, class of 22, um, and younger guys um, that are having those AAU seasons taken away. Um, just because that is such a prime opportunity if you're a younger guy to be seen. Um, and, I mean, at this point, like, I mean, especially if you're, like Dan was saying, like top of the top, cream of the crop, you know, schools already know who the guy, like already know the guys that they're bringing in. Um, you know, the, the levels that's going to impact more are, or the people that's going to impact more are like the tweener guys, like the guys that don't necessarily know where they want to go yet, or, you know, have offers, but, you know, are kind of on the cusp of, you know, going to some other schools that they could play for, um, you know, and would use this summer to kind of show that, um, you know, it impacts those guys a lot more than I'd say it impacts the elite level recruits like the ESPN 100 guys are, you know, nationally ranked players. Um, but I mean, I think Dan's definitely right in the fact that like, I think sports is going to be one of the last things to kind of come back to civilization when coronavirus passes just because of, how easy it is to spread disease um, in any sport, really. I mean, like baseball is pretty minimal contact, which is why I think they're trying to bring it back this summer, or at least why the MLB wants to bring it back this summer in some way. But even still, I mean, there's tagging in baseball. Um, you know, multiple people have to touch the baseball. Like there's a lot of ways – germs and a virus can be spread even in the sport of baseball. And I mean, we all know from basketball, like, like if someone has the flu and you're playing pickup, everyone on the court or most of the people on the court are going to get the flu. Like just from the sweat that gets on the ball and, you know, the amount that you touch each other while playing the game, like, um, even if the virus is still out there, like that's a high risk way of, you know, continuing to spread it and continuing to get it. Um, yeah. No, I mean, one thing I was going to say too, is like, 
I think, yeah, it's, it's going to the – way, the way I was like framing this question too was um, more because I understood that like the top 100 recruits are probably still going to get their schools that they want to get to, you know, accomplish in a sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be really weird. Like obviously even for, you know, just us, I mean, obviously we, like we played basketball this year and, you know, like it's, it's weird. Like, you know, you're like, you're on your own, like you're staying prepared, you're getting ready, but there's also the sense of, you know, the unknown, like you don't know if you're going to be able to play basketball in September. You don't know if you're going to be playing it and not, you don't know when you're going to be playing it. Like you don't know exactly what the timetable is until like, you know, you had that set timetable until you have quote unquote a cure for it. You know, especially for like a sport that requires a lot of content, like football is another example, right? Um, like, you know, there could be a chance that there might not be, you know, a fall season um, of football at some uh, colleges, which I mean, I could be wrong on that, but you know, like there, there's a chance. And, uh, you know, like it's weird because a lot of guys, you know, especially like, you know, guys like yourself, Jack, and you know, other guys who like didn't get a chance to play their seasons. It's interesting in terms of like eligibility, if you could like, you know, ask for that back in a sense, but um, you know, I know division one schools are going to can do that, but you know, at the division three schools, it's really difficult to do that. Um, what but, about division two schools, huh? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know what you guys think about the eligibility situation, but, um, um I think it's interesting with spring sports. Um, you know, and a, a lot of my former teammates at Columbia have been, you know, fighting the Ivy league to allow grad students to play. Because the NCAA has granted every spring sport athlete an additional year, semester, I should say, um, of eligibility. Um, you know, and I think at every other D1 conference, guys can just go to grad school there and continue to play for that program um, should they want to or choose to. Um you know, and Ivy League baseball players don't have that option to at least stay within the same program. Um, you know, and I think that extra year of eligibility is also going to heavily impact incoming freshmen for next year. Um, you know, because that's, I mean, rosters are going to be big and it's going to be a lot harder to get innings and get reps in to, you know, get yourself better. Um but, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's interesting how it's going to impact teams at all the levels. I mean, like Amherst next year, like three-quarters of the guy on the baseball team will have not played an inning of college baseball next year on the baseball team. Like, that's unprecedented. Like, I mean, it's going to be that way for a lot of the country. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people playing college baseball that haven't played in a real game and – long ass time pardon my french uh, I, also, I also feel like like with this virus the amount of transfers has increased so like not even just like kids at the end of the bench but like high major transfers big name transfers from school to school and not only is it like switching up in that like the rosters in terms of the actual players on the roster but also like if they're in for baseball, I don't know a ton about um, baseball recruiting, but if you have all these transfers who are granted an extra year, you're going to have five years of players in college baseball. Yeah. Uh, which may be the case normally, but the influx of players just on teams is going to be so, so exponential. Um, so I don't know whether or not 
um, the NCAA then allows like, like, will they have to increase the size of rosters? Will schools just have to cut a lot of play? Like, I don't know how that would ha- work in baseball. And then same with basketball. It's the same deal. Like if you field like a 20 man roster in for Kansas where you have the first 10, five off the bench still being starter players like that, that you want on your team, but that also are capable of playing somewhere else. I don't know how they'll work around that. Yeah. I mean, for baseball, especially like I've heard like, cause baseball is very limited in the amount of scholarships that they can give out at the D one level. It's 11.7 for what's typically like a 32 man roster. Um, you know, and I think a lot of players were that play at the D1 level and play for scholarship programs were worried, you know, what's going to happen to their scholarship money? Because, you know, if they go to a new program or, you know, come back to the, the play for the team that they're on this year, like the breakdown's going to be different because of the incoming freshman class. You know, and I think there's a lot of things that the NCAA is still trying to figure out. And, you know, I think they – for baseball, at least, like they almost have to get rid of these roster limitations. Otherwise, you either screw over the seniors or you screw over the freshmen. And, or know, those in between that are fighting for spots too. I feel. Yeah, I mean, it's going to impact a lot of people, and it's going to it's going to impact every level of the game. I mean, you know, it's how's the MLB draft going to work? I mean, you're not able to scout guys right now. You're not really able to tell who's going to be, you know, a potential top prospect for your MLB organization. You're an MLB scout right now. Um, you know, and they've talked about shortening the draft this year and making it just a five round amateur draft, more similar to like the NBA, but even still, I mean, you're not going to fill the the needs that minor league baseball has in terms of players in the five round draft. And the unfortunate part too is like it seemed as though that seems though the economy was doing well and like sports was kind of it, the, the amount of revenue was increasing so much because the market completely crashed. Now all of the progress that college sports and professional sports have made increasing caps, uh, cap space and professional professional leagues, but also like the ability to give out more money to colleges. I mean, to like athletes, like that's going to change the entire recruiting process and like the ability for some players to go to certain schools. Yeah. And it's also interesting too, because the NCAA has been known for not being the best with a lot of situations. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this and what the the route they choose to go from like, you know, this whole situation, because there's been things they've handled in the past that have not been to everyone's liking at all. Um, you know, there's been brought to the NCAA for wasting like, you know, many <laughs> different sports networks and stuff like that. Um, you know, you see guys like, you know, you know, Skip Bayless talk about him or Stephen A. Smith or Max Kellerman, like the big name guys, obviously. And, just, it's just interesting overall to kind of see, I guess, you know, the whole just changing sports that's going to happen. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily prepared for it, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really interesting overall. But yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the, the last thing I wanted to talk about too was just, um, you know, I 
spoke about this a little bit last week with just Tom Brady, but I guess the thing I want to talk about more about the football situation is, you know, um, like our team's going to be more rusty now. The fact that, you know, they might not have OTAs, um, you know, that kind of stuff, or they might not. And also for teams that are bringing draft guys, you know, they don't necessarily have, you know, those, uh, the combine to, you know, prepare them for that, um, to look at athletes better or, you know, individual workouts, like, you know, like that kind of stuff. So I guess, you know, the progression I want to talk about is like more with, with football in a sense, but you know, how are you seeing everything playing out there, but our team's going to be more um, rusty. And do you think that's going to affect guys like, you know, Jason Stidham, if he's a quarterback of the Patriots or Tom Brady with the, uh, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I mean, other quarterbacks obviously as well, but you know, like what is your guys' opinions on that? Obviously, because you guys follow football. So, you know, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I feel like t- for all sports, time off is great. Like, I mean, you see professional uh, athletes play golf all summer and not really work out all that much just because they need to preserve their bodies. I mean, during the winter, I feel like baseball players, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, but don't necessarily pick up a base. Like they, they try and don't necessarily pick up a base. Like they, they try and if your job is to play a sport, your time off is to not play that sport and like make sure that your body is rested and healthy. So you're able to perform the next season. Um, And I feel like I don't think it's going to be rust so much. So as like the chemistry might be a little off for like new players, like you're not able to jump in all that, all that quickly and all that easily. But um, I feel like rust won't be necessarily like a big factor, but I do feel as though like, in terms of the NFL draft, like the, those players that are able to enter their name into the draft um, and that have a pretty good chance of like getting drafted, I feel like they won't, similar to like basketball, I feel like they won't have that big of an issue signing to a, a certain a certain team or a team won't feel that different about drafting them had they, because I mean, everyone has to submit their own highlights. They have all the games, they have... I'm sure they have practice film. Um, and with this, I feel like some colleges will be a little bit more um, lenient about getting their hands on the films um, and then being able to send it out. So I think it's just like, as everything else, it's very unknown, but I feel like of anything, I think that the rest is good for athletes as it is for like the environment too. Like it's kind of the same, the environment's getting reset essentially. And athletes are able to quote unquote reset their bodies. Yeah. I mean, I feel like at least for like the NFL, like, I mean, I think it'll be good in the sense that players will be fresh and recovered and not necessarily, you know, worn down come day one. Um, But I mean, I think it will impact maybe like chemistry and, you know, how well guys know play, how guys or how well guys know the playbook. Um, you know, and how prepared teams are to go into competition right off the bat. Um, should there be an NFL season this fall? Um, you know, I mean, it's hard for me to see a world where that isn't the, where that is the case, where there's not football in the fall. But I mean, I think it's still a legit possibility seeing, you know, the news and, you know, looking at some of the projections of, you know, there potentially being a, 
second spike of the virus come September. Um, you know, and I think it's so hard to say what the future of football and what the future of sports in general will be right now. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like, you know, when sports do come back, I think a, the American public and viewers will be so thirsty for any sort of athletics, any sort of live sports that, you know, it'll be successful from a commercial standpoint. And I feel like as far as quality goes and as far as, you know, teams being able to execute and teams being able to, you know, play to the level that people are accustomed to seeing, you know, I think, yeah, maybe there will be some rust early on. But, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, it'll be back to what it was by midseason in terms of at least quality of play. you know, there's still professional athletes. They'll still be in amazing shape. Um, you know, they're, they've all been playing football for their whole lives pretty much. You know, they'll be able to figure it out. Um, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of talk about, to like, the NBA season, you know, whether that's even going to come back, whether they're going to finish the season or, you know, how that's going to work. Um, because, I mean, I was reading today, it's like, well, you're going to pull these guys back in August to play the final month of the season and then, what, run playoffs in September, you know, September and October? Like, I mean, what, and like, do you give them a three weeks notice, a four weeks notice so they can have training camp, or are you just going to throw guys kind of back into the fire right off the bat? Because then when you do that, that's how guys get hurt. Um, You know, if you take – you know, I mean, we're all kind of sitting at home right now. I mean, yeah, like, you know, guys can go on runs, guys can be active, but at the same time, like, you're not nearly as active and your body's not nearly, your body's not going to be used to running the floor for 40 minutes in a 48-minute game. Um, You know, and your body's not going to be ready, you know, say you're a big man, your body's not going to be ready to bang around in the post because, you know, you haven't been, you know, doing that for seven months, you know, and if you get thrown back to that right away, you know, guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to get beat up a little bit. Um, So, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what the NBA does and, you know, if they give players a window to kind of come back, should they decide to resume this season or, you know, whether they just decide to to call it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Um, I mean, one thing I'll, I'll just add there, too, is, like, there's an interesting, like, obviously, you know, LeBron's had, like, an unbelievable year, and, like, a lot of people are saying, like, that's due to, like, the rest he's had. But the, the thing I was thinking about, too, is for, like, a lot of these teams that were building that chemistry and they're doing really well, but then, like, are also older teens, for example, there's a bigger chance of them getting hurt as well. Um, I mean, even even there are so even some younger guys, too. Like, Kawhi Leonard's had a history of injuries, so has Paul George. Um, like, this year, they've not really played a lot of games together. And uh, it's just going to be interesting, obviously, like how the NBA is going to do that, because you also have these top draft picks coming in next year, too. Right. Like who are like, you know, eager to make their way in the NBA and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. But, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys being on and, um, you know, talking a little sports, talking a little uh, life during this quarantine, you know, um, just trying to give the people some entertainment. So, you know, I'm excited to do that. Thanks for having us.